0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players, coaches, and Yankees moments in Yankees history. So this week, I'm going to be doing a tribute to the boss, George M. Steinbrenner otherwise known as George Michael Steinbrenner, being his full name. Um, he was born on July 4th, and hence the reason why I decided to do an episode on George Steinbrenner today, of course, being on um, July 4th. Um, but So, of course, he was uh, born in 1930, and he passed away in 2010 of a heart attack at 80 years old. Um, he actually would have been 93 today. Um, but... He also actually went to, uh, he, he graduated from Williams College, and he actually served in the Air Force in 1952, um, just after graduating. And he, after that, I guess, in, in the Air Force, he served as an aide to the commanding general at Lockbourne Air Force Base in Ohio. Um, I guess he was re- responsible for setting up athletic programs and sporting events, which is ca- kind of interesting. Um, and it makes a lot of sense uh, for, for Steinbrenner considering his future endeavors with the um, New York Yankees. And I guess at the time, and uh, I guess like just before 1973, he actually wa- he, the, he wanted to be part of a group that was going to buy a Major League Baseball team. And I think originally he had wanted to buy the Cleveland Indians. Um, of course, that didn't happen. And, you know, fortunately, the, he ended up buying, the, purchasing the Yankees. Uh, CBS used to own the Yankees. I believe Michael Burke was the original owner at the time, the original principal owner, and he sold the Yankees to. Um, and actually, I believe Gabe Paul was a part of the um, the purchase. From he he was a part of the ownership, wh- which was owned by CBS. And um, interestingly enough, he becomes the GM under George Steinbrenner. But uh, so uh, Steinbrenner, of course, purchased the Yankees from CBS for a reported $10 million, and, you know, of course, he goes on to help uh, help the Yankees, build the Yankees into a championship team seven times in his tenure, 1977 and 78, and, of course, the late 90s of 96, 98, 99, and 2000 as well, of course, making it to a few extra World Series as well. Um, but George Steinbrenner, um, the, the thing about him was that he always he loved to win, and even though the only thing with George was that he loved to win so much, so that sometimes he he got himself in trouble and like a a lot like with managers, he he had twenty managers in the years that he um, with the Yankees from nineteen seventy three to I think like two thousand seven was around his his tenure. Um, so he he went through a lot of managers. The only manager that stayed was really Joe Tory, and Joe Torre just had the perfect way to, of dealing with. Uh, George Steinbrenner um, but because George was not easy to work with as at all um, from a, everything you hear uh, of course um, and uh, but you know Steinbrenner was he was definitely he, he loved to win he wanted the Yankees to win no matter what he would he would and he would he would show it by spending as much money as he could just to get the big players like for instance uh, some of the biggest Free agent signings, like in the early years, were done by George Steinbrenner, like Catfish Hunter in 1975. I believe had had one of the I think he was the highest paid player uh, at that time ever. Um, I think he was paid like a million dollars or something like that. He was paid a lot of money. And then there was um, Reggie Jackson as well, who we went on and got. Um, and um, even though Reggie Jackson and George Steinbrenner did butt heads, but you know, George wanted to win, and of course that also led to a little bit of uh, of I guess a rivalry um, with Billy Martin because him and Billy Martin did not see eye to eye a lot. Uh, Billy was more he was just a baseball guy through and through. He knew the game like the back of his hand. He just he 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 knew how to manage a game. Billy Martin, everything you hear about he was one of the best. St- strategical type managers in the game. Um, But he, George was just so, so much of a micromanager that he wouldn't let uh, Billy do what he wanted to do. But at the same time too, though, George really wanted, he, he really thought he knew he wanted the Yankees to win so bad that sometimes I think it's, I guess it just seemed, it seems like from, you know, looking back, it just seems kind of like he just uh, wanted the Yankees to win so bad that he just, he couldn't see uh, any other, like that. He couldn't see what other people were trying to do, and that other people had, you know, really good ideas as well. And a lot of that, I think, probably hurt the Yankees as well. However, that's not to say George Steinbrenner wasn't a, a good owner because there's there's always a positive and a negative. And I think George Steinbrenner's um, contributions by far he has many more positive contributions that he's made to the New York Yankees, including um, uh, like the culture of the New York Yankees. He really changed it because like before that, the um, I mean, as far, he changed it like to, the, the Yankees became, um, he saw the Yankees as a championship club and a team that really had a lot of tradition. And he kind of really, um, he really just hunkered down on that and, Um, so like, like for, for instance, the facial hair policy is something that he, uh, put in and, you know, obviously like not everybody is going to like that, but as far as thinking from a business perspective, it's actually a really good idea because you know, you want your team to look professional and kind of really know, look like they're knowing what they're doing, even though just because they look like it doesn't mean they, they don't play play well. Just because they look like they play well doesn't mean they play well, rather. Um, but uh, anyway, so as far as the facial hair policy goes, it comes from his military background, of course. And I guess it started right on, on the home opener in um, uh, uh, 1973 versus the Cleveland Indians. He saw Thurman Munson, Sparky Lyle, and Bobby Mercer. And I think there might have been one other guy as well. And he just noticed that their hair was way too too long. And, of, cor- of course, according to George Steinbrenner, it was way too long. Um, and he didn't like it. Anyway, so he told manager Ralph Hook in 1973 that, you know, those three, those four guys, I think it was, they, they all had to shave or cut their hair or, or something. Some of the Yankees coaches and managers, I don't think they really wanted to enforce it as much. Um, but of course they had to because Steinbrenner was the, he was the he was the boss. So and they quickly learned that. And of course you know in time it, it became just a tradition with the Yankees that everyone kind of knows that when you sign with the New York Yankees or get traded to the Yankees, you're gonna have to shave. Um, as far as uh, like just to kind of look presentable and everybody kind of looks the same. And and so so I mean in some ways there's there's kind and, and like if you think about it like if you have a really good team and they're all looking the same and and they look like they really know what they're doing it can kind of seem a little bit more intimidating um however these are all professionals so i i mean i don't necessarily know if i would agree 100% with George Steinbrenner's facial hair policy but i i really really respect it because i think it's a, one of the things that makes the Yankees the Yankees like i i think i think that you have to respect the facial hair policy in in the Yankee organization um, and it like again, it, it uh, helps the Yankees. It helps build that Yankee culture of professionalism, and that's one of the key contributors right there. Um, and and another thing I think is just that he just the fact that he just just wanted to win, and he didn't care how much money he had to spend to do it. And one of the complaints it seems like with fans now is that it seems like people just want they they want their owners to spend money on their their uh you know the the upcoming free agents of course sometimes it's, you you don't you can't always do that but the fact that Steinbrenner was so willing to spend money on his players and, and and don't get me wrong I think Hal Steinbrenner is I think he he is willing to spend money but he's just not I I wouldn't say he's as willing to spend money as much as George was. However, at the same time too though, I I, I do think that George Steinbrenner wasn't really he, he did sometimes spend too much money and sometimes threw threw around money and kind of wanted he kind of forced general managers for instance, I guess he was uh, George um, was extremely hard on his general managers nobody really wanted to be the general manager until uh, one guy really kind of changed it, was Gene Michael, um, but before that um, I, I believe Gabe Paul was there for a little while, but, um, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, George Steinbrenner was not an easy guy to work for, um, from all the documentaries and everything you hear. Um, he was just, he was just a tough, tough guy. And that's just how he was, because he wanted to win. He cared so much. Um, and once he kind of was basically forced to um, stay away from the team because of the whole Dave Winfield scenario and that's kind of a kind of a black eye I guess in Steinbrenner's career maybe because you know when with the whole Dave Winfield thing in the 80s um of course he went out there and he signed Dave Winfield to a big contract but he expected Dave Winfield to produce and when Dave Winfield wasn't always producing like George Steinbrenner thought even though Winfield actually if you look at Dave Winfield's numbers with the Yankees he actually had a pretty pretty darn good Yankees career it's pretty sh- shocking that Stein, but but it just kind of shows you the expectations that Steinbrenner had were so high, especially when he signed a big player like a Dave Winfield or Alex Rodriguez. He expected, he expected basically almost perfection from those guys. He expected those guys were going to carry the team to the championship, and if he if they didn't, he was going to ride them, and he was going to he was not going <laughs> to, for instance, with Dave Winfield, it. Basically, like Dave Winfield might have gone into the Hall of Fame as a Yankee, but I've read that um, Dave Winfield actually decided not to go into the Hall of Fame as a Yankee, probably because of the, you know, all the animosity he had with George Steinbrenner in the 80s, because of George Steinbrenner gave Winfield a, a really really hard time, just calling him out in the newspapers all the time, which is something that he would do with players a lot if they weren't performing. Um, so even though he would spend a lot. He was also very very hard on his players, um, but that's just kind of how George was. You kind of just had to take it or leave it. That's just how he was. Um, but you know he wanted to win at all costs. He wanted to do do what he could, even if it meant sometimes doing things that weren't always weren't always the right things to be that he should have been doing. And of course that led to the his suspension in the late eighties. I believe like nineteen eighty nine. I think or nineteen ninety. He got suspended and however it was kind of a a little there was a little bit of a silver lining there for the Yankees um because Steinbrenner was kind of getting a little bit out of control with his spending and so he was it kind of forced Steinbrenner to back off and maybe in a way it kind of helped him realize hey I can let these guys uh run the team a little bit without um doing as much and um of course that's what the Yankees had to do. Gene Michael stepped up as the general manager and uh, because I, I, he was already the general manager anyway and um Gene Michael he's the architect of that late 90s dynasty. he sculpted it the core Jeter, Posada, Rivera, Pettit, um of course Bernie Williams being one of the first guys um, to come up um and and kind of have a chance to develop with the Yankees. And that was a big deal too in the 90s, 1991, 92. um, Because George Steinbrenner did not, he did not really, he didn't have any patience with young players um, unless they were going to perform right away. They had to be like basically a diamond in the rough. And Bernie Williams wasn't really that guy. Like when he first started, he struggled. And um, I I think he had some issues with some of the players that were in the clubhouse who weren't really very kind to bernie at all um i I believe one of them might have been mel hall who was an outfielder who but of course mattingly being the captain really stepped up and uh helped bernie a lot however um you know the gene michael um you know he kind of had a little bit more of a hands-off approach even though he was the gm he was kind of like the the guy in charge and he kind of let the players play he let his managers manage and the coaches coach and and, uh, you know, I, I think maybe in a way Steinbrenner kind of like, but it, although when he came back though, like around, I think he came back around 93 or so, he did start signing. He signed he signed Wade Boggs. But at that, at that time they had a, a young nucleus. So they signed Wade Boggs. They uh, brought in Paul O'Neill and a few other guys. And um, then they started just getting a little bit better. And um, of course, I guess, Bernie Williams still took a couple more years um, until it wasn't until like 1995 for Bernie Williams when he had a breakout year. And George Steinbrenner, um, he he actually wanted to trade Bernie, um, but of course G. Michael just kept telling him, no, nobody wants him, or no, I can't, we can't trade him, or whatever it was, um, because they understood that George was not gonna, he 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 did not have patience for young players that weren't performing um and he he would want to rather just go out and get somebody who's already really good so anyway that's that's basically how the yankees um got to the uh late 90s and once they got to 1996 of course don mattingly ended up leaving the yankees after 95 and retiring eventually um but you know the yankees went out after 95 of course they were fired uh Buck Showalter, even though Buck Showalter did a heck of a job as a manager, um, you know George Steinbrenner goes out and he hires Joe Torre, and which was not a popular move at the time, but he gave Joe Torre a chance. He gave Darryl Strawberry a chance, and both those guys, of course, especially Joe Torre. Joe Torre, every year, Joe Torre was the manager for the New York Yankees. Twelve years, the Yankees made the playoffs, and um, of course they went on to. Win uh, four World Series, um, and of course three World Series in a row. Um, so uh, George Steinbrenner was not afraid to take risks. Um, he was not afraid to listen to his uh, front office members. It seemed like especially toward the end of, end of his um, tenure with the Yankees, um, like uh, I think it was Arthur Richmond who was the guy that um, was was the one that recommended uh, George Steinbrenner hire Joe Torre and or, or at least interview him and of course you know it's a great thing that he did because Joe Torre was a perfect fit for the New York Yankees and really he was a perfect fit for George Steinbrenner himself so it's interesting that George George uh, picked Joe Torre. Um but in, in a lot of ways it makes a lot of sense because Joe Torre really he really wanted to win too because he had never won a World Series um so I mean um and, and and you know he surrounded Joe Torre with a lot of really good coaches like Mel Stotzheimer who was a really good pitcher for the New York Yankees back in the uh 60s and 70s and um I, I'm not sure how established he was as a pitching coach by then although actually yeah I, th- I believe he was established as a pitching coach because I think he was the Mets pitching coach back in 86 or somewhere around there anyway um but he was a really he was a really high, highly regarded pitcher um, and pitching coach, um, and they had guys like Willie Randolph, and he he had a lot of good guys around him. Jose Cardenal, and so even though the Yankees uh, were kind of building that that late '90s dynasty without George Steinbrenner, they couldn't still couldn't have won, won it without George Steinbrenner because um, like just before the Yankees started winning, you know, like I said, pretty much as soon as he came back, he went out in the offseason season that. I think it was that same off season, like around ninety three or ninety two. And they got Wade Boggs, they got uh they traded for Paul O'Neill eventually as well. They made some really good trades like that and trades where uh like um Jimmy Key was another guy eventually they would get and all those guys helped the Yankees to win the ninety six World Series. Um, of course Paul O'Neill helped the Yankees to win uh four World Series in the late nineties. Um so I mean so, if it wasn't for George, the Yankees probably don't win as many World Series. And even, like, um, thinking about, like, from 98 to 99, of course, David Wells has the best year of his career in 1998. But, you know, of course, a lot of it goes to Brian Cashman, who was the GM in 1998. And um, he makes the trade. Actually, oh, I think it was – yeah, but Cashman was the GM in 98. He just took over for – uh Bob Watson who was the GM, I believe, after ninety-six and ninety-seven. Um but uh Brian Cashman makes a trade for Roger Clemens and I'm sure George Steinbrenner was a big part of that. And so George was not afraid to make a difficult decision um in uh in trading a popular player like David Wells. Uh, for a guy like Roger Clemens, and they didn't. He made a, he did a lot of that stuff, like uh, Dave bringing in David Justice, um, of course. Brian Cashman, like he was the guy that made the moves, but I'm sure he's not going to make those moves without the approval of the boss. So that that kind of proves right there that you know, George, even though George Steinbrenner was a tough guy to work for, if you could work with him and you, and if you could earn his respect and um, like he was. He was going to do whatever he could on his end to help his team win. And so, anyways, as far as George Steinbrenner being a Hall of Fame owner, I I think that George Steinbrenner definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I think Steinbrenner's probably... I think he. I think he probably should already be in the Hall of Fame. Really, because I mean, he he's. If you think about it, like a lot of times when fans complain about their teams not spending, that's the number one thing that Steinbrenner did, is that he went out there was not afraid to spend money on players, and obviously he made a lot of you know not. pine he did not. Um, he did not always sign the right players, and a lot of times he probably didn't sign the right players. Um, of course, a lot of that doesn't all fall on him. You know, there's the general manager, assistant general managers, you know, uh, go, going through on, on throughout the whole front office. But he's the guy that makes the decisions. And, um, you know, the majority of the time, Steinbrenner made a lot of really good decisions and that led to, you know, results. And, and of course, you know, just building that uh, – That system around him of of really good coaches and players, um, you know, just just trying to find the right uh, fit. And I think for a a period of time in the 80s, he just didn't have that right fit. Of course, a lot of it was like, for instance, going back to the managers, he went through 20 managers in his career, uh, fired Billy Martin. Five times fired and rehired Billy Martin five times in his career, and I think before Billy passed away, he Steinbrenner was thinking about rehiring him for a sixth time. Um, So um, that that just shows you right there that like Steinbrenner had some. He definitely wasn't a perfect owner at all. But at the same time, though, too, what he did for the Yankees, like like Steinbrenner was who he was. He, He that's just who like he wasn't. Afraid to to take risks, and um, you know I think early on in his uh, tenure with the Yankees, kind of like especially in those those years in the 1980s, he was he was just too uh, kind of hands on. I mean I I definitely think that George Steinbrenner is a Hall of Fame owner. I mean he's he's really kind of changed the game with the way that free agency is and going after the top uh, free agents. Um, so, anyways, that's just my opinion. Um, but uh, feel free to let me know who, uh, what you think of George Steinbrenner and if he, think, if he should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, my opinion, George Steinbrenner is definitely a Hall of Fame owner, already being the Hall of Fame already, in my opinion. What do you think? You can Feel free to tweet us about uh, if you think George Steinbrenner should be in the Hall of Fame. You can tweet us at HistoricNYY on Twitter. You can also just comment on Facebook, um, the Historic Pinstripe Show. Um, and uh, you can feel free to email us at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. Um, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Um, before I let you go, the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater, Time Machine, Free Your Geek, Psych Your Crime, and other podcasts and streamers. Um, You can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information. So thank you again for listening, everybody. And as always, Go Yankees!